my brains like a semi, can I park a hair? Everything I'm setting always starts to flare. Lotaro Martinez with my soccer kick. Ciao, buongiorno a tutti ragazzi, long time no speak, long time no converse, no inter-worldwide podcast for a while, but we are back again tonight in high spirits and I just want to welcome my two awesome guests. First of all, Alessandro, come stai fratello, how have you been? Uh, I'm feeling a little bit sick and I guess that's why one of the reasons why we, we didn't record, but there are way better reasons and now I want you to introduce our new guest, uh, not new, our guest with a, a little bit of a new addendum. Yeah, absolutely. Our second guest is Bruno, the notorious Bruno, the king of Gregory Hills. But more importantly, Bruno, brother, a huge congratulazione, auguri, mabruk, brother, on the birth of your new son. We've got a new interesta in the inter-worldwide family. Yeah. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. The first thing he wore as soon as he came out was his little Inter shirt. <laughs> and um, let me tell you now, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have watched the last couple of games because he wakes me up just on time. Ah, uh, he's a true interest at heart, man. He, he just knows the go early. And what a season. What a season to be born. What a season to become an interest. We'll forever remember it, Bruno, when we get old as the year of Conte and the year of Bruno's baby. 100%, bro. So on this particular episode, we've got a lot to get through since we didn't have a podcast for a long time, but we are going to start differently. We're going to work a little bit backwards um, so that I remember not to forget anything. So we'll start with the most recent result, which was the 2-1 win over Bologna, a tough away trip, just like there are many tough away trips in the Italian league. And we have seen Inter buckle and struggle taking on teams like Bologna away, like Cagliari away, like Sampdoria away. But Conte is bucking the trend. And even with 76 minutes on the clock and being down 1-0, it didn't exactly rock the boat. Two goals for Big Rom, Red Rom, no longer red for Manchester United, but red because he's red hot. Nine goals in 11 Serie A starts. I'm going to start with you, Bruno, because at the start of the season, you were very, very confident in Lukaku's ability even when I wasn't. Bruno, how are you feeling about Lukaku and how did you feel about Bologna, man? What, whatever you caught of it. Well, look, uh, Lukaku, what can you say? You can't really ask for more in a um, $70 million purchase. And, you know, nine goals in, what is it, 11 games now? Uh, he's just managed to eat the hearts of... Um, most of the fans finally accepting him, forgetting that, uh, who's that guy we had before? Uh, Icardi, that's it. Don't ever want to mention his name, but following him, you know, we everyone was very doubtful, but he stepped up. He He's a classic goal poacher. Um, when we do go back an extra game, we'll talk about how he's amazing out-of-the-box goal, but he's just there, and it just feels like pressure does not impact Lukaku at all, and taking a 90-second minute penalty to um, win the game away from home, he just did not flinch, and uh, overall, the result wasn't as convincing as what could be, but 
like you said, we've traveled to Bologna. Um, Mahalovic is back there. We've we've got this team that, you know, we've got still got injuries. Sensi hasn't come back. Um, we've had a couple of younger players starting. And look, Lazzaro played very well in my eyes as well. Um, I feel if Lukaku didn't get those two goals, Lazzaro would have, in my eyes, would have gotten man of the match. But overall, um, I'm very happy. And I actually would love to hear Alessandro's opinion on our game against Bologna because at the end of the day, it wasn't convincing, but three points is three points. We might have done a little bit of a Juventino tactic with the 97, uh, 92nd minute penalty. But what do you think, Ale? Well, I mean, nothing really more to say. It wasn't a convincing performance, even though um, Bologna uh, tried to score like twice, maybe. So I don't think we, um, we steal anything from that game. But the way we won uh, wasn't convincing. And um, I'm sure it's also due to the number of games we're playing in such a limited um, time. And, uh, and we don't have the, the squad that Juventus had. And, uh, and that's one of the reasons why I can't wait that the, the transfer windows open. Just because we need more people, <laughs> we need more players. Um, so, but all in all, um, I mean, even if we win in this way, uh, if we look at the situation in Serie A right now, I take it. I don't care. You know, we were penalty in 90 seconds, uh, 92 minutes. It's fine. Uh, I see um, teams winning in in a way worse way than us. Um, so, and they are on top of us. So, <laughs> uh, I don't care at this point. Yeah, I'd have think, to agree. Anthony? I'd have to agree completely with you, man. You said it really well when you said, I don't care at this point. Like, how, how would you care at this point? Because at the moment, we're not playing fantastic football, but we're doing more than enough to get ourselves over the line. You know, we've got 28 competition points at this stage of the season, and you don't get that just by getting lucky or fluky. You get that with a consistent desire, hard work in training, grinter, and a certain mental application on the pitch. And that's what we are getting week in, week out with this side. Even against Padma when we drew 2-2, and we'll go back to that in a second, And Con Antonio Conte, the very first thing he said in his press conference was, I cannot fault the effort on behalf, of, on behalf of my players, and for that I'm very proud of them. So this is a complete 180 uh, turn on the inter side and their mental fortitude that we saw under Spalletti. And I even I have to admit, I didn't think we were going to come back at 1-0 to Bologna, but the fact that we did and proved me wrong and many other fans wrong, that's exactly the type of player, uh, type of play and the type of you know match-winning situations that we want to be in. I just want to echo what Alessandro said before about teams winning uglier than us. It's not just in Italy. You know, as Inter fans, I've said it before, we're very spoiled. We get a taste of something and we think we need the whole cake. So, you know, we get an inch and we think we can take a kilometer, but you got to remember, Real Madrid drew Neil Law at home this weekend. Barcelona lost 3-1. Bayern got clapped up 5-1 and had their boss sacked. There are teams in the world that are on a higher pedestal than us that are having the same struggles in a footballing context that all clubs have. 
So at the moment, I'm really, really impressed with the traje trajectory of Inter and how they are going. Let's back it up. Another fixture to Brescia. Brescia was another tough away game. A tough team with some good players and they set themselves up well. However, I thought Inter were actually quite good away from home in that game. It wasn't a fantastic performance. But as I said, there's no such thing as an easy away trip in Italy. Not anymore, in my opinion. Anyway, I'll go over to Bruno on that in a second. But to see us grab that goal again, even against the run of play at the start of that Brescia game, and then Lukaku picks the ball up on his favoured right-hand side to cut in on the left, that was absolutely phenomenal. That was a fantastic goal. Yes, we had to sit there a little nervously at the back end, but hey, we've been there before in much worse situations. Bruno, swinging it over to you for Brescia and that Lukaku goal. And yeah, go for it, bruv. Look, overall, we had three games. We had Parma, we had Brescia, and we had Bologna. Now, something that those three teams don't have, that Inter does have, is Champions League football. Now, Champions League football, Europa League football, worked in favour of Inter in those three fixtures. Why? Because we're used to playing so many games one after another. Whereas Parma, they belted a team 5-0, they drew 2-2, and then their following two results weren't as convincing. The same goes for Brescia and Bologna, right? They don't know how to keep up with such chaotic schedules and that's why coming out of those three games undefeated was a major plus now unfortunately we could have been top of the table but we'll talk about that shortly now the Brescia game it was it, it was much more um convincing and it was a it was a well thought out plan by Conte and he managed to get the best out of the team and they just pushed and pushed and pushed now, I was a bit worried towards the end of the game. Um, Balotelli was on fire. Now, I know you're very sceptical of Balotelli, um, Anthony, but he did have a couple of very good chances, and Handanovic has been our saviour on countless times this season, and I'm forever grateful for that. Uh, I just feel three points, like Ale said about the Bologna game, um, and same goes for this game. Three points is three points. Now, you've got to think, we're 11 games into the season. We've lost one game. That's all we've lost. Now, we cannot complain. And I just feel that it, um, it, it, it's a great turn. And you, you, you summed it up very well, Anthony. It, it, it was a 180 from last season. These were results we would not get. And that pressure Bologna applied would have led to a goal last season. But Conte has drilled it into the team's heads that every team Inter plays, it should be treated like we're playing Juventus. We need to keep getting that three points. We're not taking the foot off the pedal. Like Spalletti, he's, he's unlike Spalletti, sorry, where he would put a very, you know... Not uh, We didn't have a great squad to begin with last season, but he'd put a weaker squad than what he could against the lower teams, hoping to get the point. But nine times out of ten, we weren't getting all three points. We'll be lucky to be getting one point. I, 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 it's just uh, it, it was a it was a great game to watch. Um, 
it, it was very exciting. And just this, and I remember messaging you straight after the game, and your first point to me, Anthony, was how good was it to see Lukaku score a goal from outside of the box? Now, he, I don't care how they end up in the back of the net, but it was a spectacular goal that day. And um, look, it just it, it, something I forgot to mention earlier is just the unity in our team is ridiculous. Um, you see Lukaku score a goal, he's hugging Martinez, he's hugging Conte, the team get behind each other. It, it, you haven't seen the unity in this team since 2010. And it was just beautiful. Um, Ale, what did you think about that Lukaku goal? And do you expect to see more of a striking Lukaku from outside of the box rather than his general... Um, tap-ins he normally goes for? Well, I, I certainly expect something like that. Uh, the last game, I, I keep seeing Lukaku moving more on the on the side of the pitch, and that's something that did in that specific occasion for that goal. So if he's able to keep the goal, turn and run, um, that's... Um, that's something that you know can give a, a good opportunity to shoot. Um, at the beginning of the season wasn't, I think it wasn't in uh, <clears throat> a good form to do that. So it was playing closer to the the eleven meters, and um, so it can keep ball and pass to the midfield. But now I think is is starting to be able to do that movement. And, and run from from a little bit farther back. Um, but um, the other thing, uh, I, I I mean, start noticing. <laughs> I think everybody noticed that. But um, the ro- rotation of players that we have every game, it's impressive. And that was something that Spalletti wasn't able to do. Uh, at the end of the day, we have a core that is... Um, Andanovic, um, Skriniar, then we have Brazovic, Barella, and uh, Lautaro and Lukaku. But if you look at that, um, the rest of the team, um, Spalletti is able, Spalletti, <laughs> Conte is able to um, to play Bastoni, is able to play Lazaro, is able to play Gagliardini, uh, Candreva, and I mean, pretty much all the players that we have. Um, Codin so far is not the, the best player that we've seen, uh, but, uh, you know, hopefully he's getting there. Um, but overall, uh, aside uh, Borja Valero, everybody was able to play and to give something to this team. Even Esposito um, was great uh for the few minutes he played um so that that, as you were saying that's that gives the the idea of the group that he is creating and that's the reason why he didn't want certain elements from the last seasons certain dramas and you know uh, prima donna um on top of that (laughs) i think we still lack something to to cancel the gap with the the top team, but as Anthony was saying, that all the top team in Europe 
um, are in a little bit of trouble. So being in this situation right now, it's pretty impressive. And uh, if you look at Juventus, uh, is on top of us with like one point. Uh, but if you look at how he got those points, you know, <laughs> you start to, um, uh, you know, doubt a little bit of the, um, how can I say, the rules and how they've been applied in, in Serie A. Um, so overall, I'm, I'm pretty happy because at least the points that we have, uh, they're, you know, honest and, uh, and fair. So being Teresa, that's all I want. I don't want to win something just because uh, it's the victory is the more, most important thing. It's how you win, you know, in, in fairness and, uh, and honesty. What do you think, Anthony? Well said, man. Yeah, well said. Couldn't agree more. In terms of, you know, the squad rotation, I think you make a great point about Spalletti not being able to utilize all the ingredients in his kitchen, whereas Conte is a little bit of a master chef in that sense, you know. Give him a bunch of ingredients and he'll create the best possible meal he can out of that. And I think he's doing that at the moment because we have so many players on that team where on paper you'd look at them and go, oh dear, is Bastoni good enough to replace a Godin or a Davray or a Skrinja? Is Biragi good enough to go on the left for Asamoah? Which, let's face it, he hasn't been brilliant, but he's never really been bad. He's been quite a consistent, safe option. Um, Kandreva, whose career looked absolutely dead and buried, is now uh, one of the first names on the team sheet. And we're ruining an injury to Danilo D'Ambrosio because he was in such good form under Conte as well. Lukaku and Lautaro are thriving. Esposito goes down against Dortmund and wins us a crucial penalty. The result of the penalty is irrelevant to the fact that he did all the hard work to get it in the first place. So I think you make a great point about um, our squad and who's been utilized in it. We need to go back another couple of fixtures. Wow, it really has been a long time for this podcast. But to finish it off, we've got Parma and conveniently the Dortmund victory in the Champions League. And then, of course, we need to preview the next match against Dortmund, which is actually very, very soon. Now, Parma, Bruno, we were frustrated. We were pretty frustrated at 2-2. But i got to say, in terms of getting over the result and coming off it, it was probably the quickest result that we ever got over us to. So, in context, the 2-2 draw against Parma was not a horrible result. It stung more because Juventus drew to Lecce in the afternoon, and we kind of shit our pants a little bit and didn't go on to beat Padma. Um, we didn't play very well against Padma. We let them take control of that game through errors. A fatigued Brozovic lets Karamo in at the back. Gervinio is a quality player. So Padma, they're not a bad side. But as Alessandro said before, um, or Bruno said, I'm sorry, they're not used to that sort of fixture congestion. So after they got a good result against us, they went and got done at home to Hellas Verona. So I guess we're, we're left to rue that missed opportunity. But what I'm more focused on at the moment, Bruno, is not necessarily the gap between us and Juventus. I'm taking a look at the table, mate, and I'm very happy with the gap between us and third, us and fourth. Like, let's just keep in mind our goals for the last two seasons were to qualify, was to qualify for the UEFA Champions League. And we had to wait until the back end of extra time in both of those seasons under Spalletti. 
And right now we are putting daylight between some of our competitors. So, Bruno, first of all, talk a little bit about your reaction to the 2-2 draw against Parma, your level of disappointment at maybe not getting that top spot temporarily, but more importantly, how you're looking at the rest of the table at the moment, man. Look, um, the 2-2 result to Parma was disappointing in the sense that we could have been in first place. But in saying that, Last season, we lost our fixture against Parma first time round, and we've gone from a loss to a draw. So you've got to take the positive. Now, Conte has a uh, team which they're not mature enough as of yet. Now, I don't say mature enough as in they're not great players, but the, the, the conception of them being on top of the table would have played on their mind very so much. And... Oh, look, I'm, I'm going to be straight up. I didn't watch the Parma game. My wife was in the process of giving birth to my child. So um, I did check a couple of times, check before in between uh, contractions and screams, but I was forced to put my phone down. So um, I'm not going to argue with a woman in the labor room. But in saying that, it was a very, um, it was a good result. I, I, I'm, I'm pleased with the 2-2 result. Now, last season... When Inter would drop points, the rest of the league would drop points. And ultimately, that's what gave us our Champions League position. Where, you know, first and second were miles ahead of us. And third and fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh and eighth were just right on our tails that whole time. And it just feels this season, when the rest of the league are dropping points, Inter's getting the points and just bridging... Um, creating a bigger gap in between what was. Now, you look at the game, um, the table before the Parma game, Atalanta was sitting um, and Napoli was sitting on our tails. I think Atalanta was two or three points behind. And since then, they've um, actually dropped a fair bit. And that came to a loss to uh, Napoli, a draw to Napoli, I think it was, where they... Um, which was quite controversial, and yeah, two, I'm two. not going to. Yeah, it was a two-two draw to Napoli, which, in my eyes, was quite controversial. It could have went either way, um, and then they lost to Cagliari, who is now sitting on equal points. Equal. There's three teams: Lazio, Atalanta, Cagliari, fourth, fifth, and sixth. Now Roma's come mm. out of nowhere as well. Um, and that's just surprising, but it's just that beautiful gap between Inter and Roma, that six-point buffer where we've we've actually got some playroom. Now, if we're going to be, I'm not, I'm, I'm quietly optimistic. I don't think we'll be waiting till match day 36 to know if we're in Champions League or not. But ultimately, I think Conte's done amazing stuff with the team so far regardless of whether we win this Scudetto or not. I don't think anyone was going to turn around and say when Conte came to Inter, the Scudetto is out. Especially with the drama in the team we had when he first signed that contract. He's done amazing with us. But ultimately, um, and I'm sure we're going to talk about this uh, later on in the podcast, VAR and refereeing, but ultimately... Inter's not letting any of those decisions get to them. And 
them moving forward. And I did see a press conference where Conte was asked about uh, one of the Juventus results, and I think it was the lit wasn't um, touch hand balled which he seems to be doing every game. But why wasn't it given a penalty? And Conte's response was just sublime. He turned around and said, I don't give a crap. I'm, I'm my job's to manage Inter. Now, we do the best we can. doesn't matter what Juventus do. It doesn't matter what Torino do. It's as long as my team's performing, that's all I'm worried about. And that's what you want to see in a manager. Whereas Spalletti was looking for excuses. And I, I, I don't like that. But um, Alessandro, I think you'll be able to give a better in-depth analysis of the Parma game because you probably watched the full 90 minutes. And I'll hand it over to you. But yeah, I feel that, that our position on the table at the moment and the gap between second and third is just perfect. Over to you, Ale. Yeah, first of all, I have to say I love the fact that you were checking the results uh, while <laughs> your wife was having a construction and you were like, kind of like, eh, okay, sorry, I had to put down the phone. <laughs> that, that image is, uh, is amazing. Anyway, I did watch the game. I already have a two-year-old daughter, so no contraction here. Um, but I was kind of in pain when I saw the the mistakes that Godin was making that game. And um, as I mentioned a little bit before, I don't know what's happening to, to Godin, but uh, I, hope, um, I hope he can fix it because... Uh, he did a similar mistake against Brescia, and Balotelli almost scored. So uh, against Parma, um, I think it was the first goal when Karamot uh, took the ball and and then um, in a counter attack passed it to Gervinho for the goal. I think it was the first one. Um, but other than that, that game was like. Uh, I, I feel like we had everything to win the game. And for two stupid mistakes, we, we draw. And um, so, as you said, it was like easy for us to recover. Also because we have a really, really tight schedule. So you don't have even time to, um, to think about it. Just on to the next game. And honestly, <laughs> I didn't even realize that in, what, 48 hours, we are playing again. And that's pretty amazing. And I can't wait for our next game. But, um, yeah, uh, the, the game versus Parma was some... I feel like we dropped some point, but um, those points we, we make it, uh, against Bologna or against Cagliari, because those are tough, tough points for us. Uh, and for every other team in Serie A, uh, when we won against Cagliari, everybody was like, oh, okay, it's Cagliari, who cares? But now look at what they are doing at home. It's really hard to win there. So even if you drop two points uh, against Parma, we got it against Cagliari, and we are still right there on top. So... All in all, uh, it's fine. It's fine. It's not a big deal. What do you think, Anthony? Yeah, yeah, 100% would agree. You know, at the end of the day, I said this before, I'll say it again. There were way too many games in the last few years that we should have picked up three points. 
and we didn't. And fans would know before we went into the fixture, here we go, here's a tough away trip against the team coming 12th, the team coming 14th, the team coming 18th, the team on the bottom, that we're just not going to get these um, these three points. But what we're doing at the moment, like Bruno said, Conte goes into every game like it's war, like it's battle, and we're doing everything we can to get those results. And that's exactly what you need to do when the fixture congestion list piles up. If you're going to take three steps back and look at it from a from a backwards from a back perspective and see the big whiteboard and all the fixtures ahead of you, it, it would make even the most professional, experienced managers and players rack their brains and go, "What am I supposed to do here? How am I supposed to take on these two sides in three days and then go off to Dortmund in Germany?" So at the end of the day, the team is performing very, very well with the squad it has and with the fixtures that are in front of us. We won't dwell too much on the Dortmund result because in about, by my calculations, about 40 hours, 36 hours, we've got another fixture against them. It's the return leg in Germany. It's going to be super duper tough. Borussia Dortmund have one of the most hostile, vocal crowds in European football, um, you know, not to say that they're a barbaric bunch by any sort. And German football friend, fans are generally one of the more friendly, uh, but it's going to be really tough. Last time we hosted them in Milan and they rocked up with a host of injuries, including Paco Alcacer, Marco Royce and Mario Goetze. They lacked a fair bit of creativity and the score line suggests that 2-0, no goals. Uh, just quickly, Bruno, your thoughts on getting three points at Dortmund? Talk to me a little bit about Esposito making his Champions League debut. But most importantly, Bruno, what's going to happen in 36 hours' time, man? Look, I think it's going to be um, a very interesting fixture. Now, Dortmund came to the San Siro. We got a 2-0 result against them. We beat them. And, what, and I feel that 2-0 result there will be very critical in the outcome of this group. Now, Inter, even if we lose to Dortmund, if we can put a goal in the back of the net, it gives us the upper hand. So if we finish equal points with Dortmund at the end of the day, we're going to be on top of them. And the fact that we kept them scoreless against um, at the San Siro was um, fantastic. Travelling there, they have the most intimidating fans in all of Europe. And I think it was... Um, um, Mourinho said it. One of the managers said it. Um, you go to Manchester, watch a game there. Most of the people at the game are tourists. You go to you go to um, Liverpool, same thing. Real Madrid, Barcelona, same thing. You go to Germany, there is no room for tourists to buy tickets. It's the homegrown fans who are actually going to be um, be putting their best foot forward that whole time. Now, in saying that, I've just got um, some information here, and it is Marco Royce has obtained a foot injury on the 2nd of November, and um, his return is actually unknown. Schmelzer is currently still out. Um, Götze is back into the squad, as well as um, Paco Alcacer. Now, it isn't. It, we were we were very favourable when they came to Milan with um, a depleted squad. But it's the Champions League. It's football. You 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 have injuries. You have injuries left, right, and centre. We were missing um, Sanchez. We were missing uh, Sensi. Right. It, it, you, you, it, that that's 
that's the life we live in. I feel if Sensi can make his return to this um, in this match, which isn't um, isn't a bad thing, um, because he has been, from what I can see, uh, removed off the injury list now. Um, I feel he, he will sway the game, and ultimately we got to forget about the two 0 win, and we got to go there and fight like this is war again. Because if we can get the three points in Germany, we will catapult ourselves up that table. We have a Barcelona match followed by a Slavia Prata match. Um, or no, the other way around, sorry. But ultimately, we, 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 we're in a very good position. And this result coming up is imperative to our um, Champions League campaign. But it's not detrimental if we do lose it. Uh, as long as we can get the ball into the back of the net. Now, I can't see Espositor starting just because you, you're you going to chuck a young star in in such an intimidating environment. Um, you don't want, you know, him to get the shakes. I, I can see him, uh, I can see contest starting with the um, same two up front, Martinez, Lukaku, especially Lukaku coming off a brace. Martinez has been on fire this so far this season. Um, and when we do later on in the pod talk about our transfer talk, um, we'll discuss the rumours revolving around him. But um, we've got them two up front. Barella, he's been getting better and better every single game he plays. So I can't see him not playing a big part there. Kandreva was rested. I can see him coming on and starting well. It's just the back line. And Ale touched on it earlier. Godin, do you go with him? Like, he's been a bit hot and cold, but he's used to this type of pressure. He's used to the Champions League pressure that he sustains whilst he was at Atletico. So anything's really possible. I am optimistic. I can see us coming away with one point. I can see us getting a scoreless or a 1-1 draw. Um, Marco Royce is a massive factor in this squad. He has been main part of their success over the last, um, over this season so far. And the fact that he will be missing in um, this game, well, what the reports are saying, most will work in our favour. But let's hope uh, Sensi can get back onto that pitch and we walk away with the three points. Ale, I know you're um, you're more technical in your explanations, but do you think Sensi will be coming back for this game? That's a that's a good question. I um, I don't know. Probably not, or probably just the the second half. Um, after this game, we are playing home versus Verona, and. Uh, in theory, it's a much easier game for us. So it really depends what Conte and and the whole team wants to do. What, what are their goals? So you know, it's a kind of risky after an injury to come back and play such an intense game. And um, I, I don't know exactly what's the status of Sensi right now, the, the injury, if he's completely recovered, if he's totally fine, or if he's slowly coming back. So it could be risky, 
and I don't know if they're willing to to go that far. Um, so I, I I really can't say uh, what what will happen. And um, but all in all, as you were saying, as long as we as we can score at least once, um, and if we can get one point out of it. That should be a a, a success. Um, personally, um, I'm leaving this year, this Champions League year, as just a gift for us. I don't think we we are anywhere close to win this competition. So, uh, whatever we get, we we got also the hardest group uh, in this Champions League. So whatever we get out of this is is fine. Um, I'm more focused on Serie A than on Champions League. Um, so I don't know what what you think, Anthony. Anthony. Well, yes. Yeah, sorry, the connection was a bit off. It's a tough one. It's I don't. Had you asked me this question before we took on Dortmund in Italy, I would have agreed a hundred percent. I would have been all in. 100%, don't even worry about the Serie A because, you know, if we drop the points against Slavia to start off the disappointing campaign, we go a goal up against Barcelona only to get absolutely ruined in the last 15 minutes. And I guess as an Inter fan, you'd be forgiven for almost throwing in the towel then and there. But, you know, as we saw last season under Spalletti, the shoe was on the other foot. We had six points from six in the first two games. And then out of nowhere, we dropped off and didn't get another win. Maybe we can do it differently this time. Um, we go into this fixture knowing that a win would put us in the box seat. A draw would still give us a good chance. A loss would almost put us out. So it is an all or nothing game, the way that you look at it. I mean, I don't think any team really wants to come away with a point, to be honest. I know a point does give both teams still the chance to go through, but I don't see why any of the two sides or any of the players will want to get onto that pitch and be satisfied with a point. That being said, I think that we will see a little bit of rotation. I think getting the three points against Bologna without using Sensi was the biggest win. The biggest win was not using Sensi in that game because imagine how fresh he's probably feeling at the moment. If he was ready to come off the bench against Bologna, he might just be itching to start that game against Dortmund. For me, I think he starts. I think we see him from minute one and I actually think we see him play almost the whole game. Um, I, I could be completely wrong and there might be an announcement from an outlet in the next 24 hours that he's injured and he doesn't even make the bench. But that's just my opinion. In terms of the results, I have so much faith in so many of our players stepping it up and having a really good game that I actually think we can get a result away from home. I think Nicola Barella has been an amazing player, especially since Sensi has been injured. He has barely put a foot wrong for me. I think Brozovic will be a little bit better against Dortmund, but at the same time, he will be shut down quite well. And I think this is a game that Lautaro will show his magic on the European stage again. And, you know, unfortunately, keep those, keep those uh, bids coming in from clubs from all around the world. But, you know, he looks very happy here, and that's all I want to focus on at the moment. I don't want to talk about the speculation. You both don't get away that easily. You try to slip away from this topic without giving a result or a prediction. I'm going for 1-0. I think that we get a lonely goal in this match and Dortmund struggle to break down one of Europe's best defences, even in front 
of one of Europe's best home crowd. Bruno, quick prediction, please, before we move on. I'm saying a 1-1 draw. Uh, what a pussy. Jokes. Uh, Alessandro, your prediction, man? <laughs> so you said 1-0. He said 1-1. I'm going 2-1 for Dortmund. <laughs> Damn. Oh, well, at, le- yeah. at, least, at, least, at least one of us on the brand will be right and we can claim that one as into Worldwide getting the prediction correct. Um, <laughs> we'll, move, we'll, we'll move on to the, um, the next Serie A fixture this weekend only because I'm, I'm conscious of the fact that we won't squeeze in another podcast before domestic football and then we'll move on to some of the off-the-pitch stuff before we finish off. Um, we take on Elas Verona on the weekend, a team who is... Poor on their best day, a team who is poor, yeah, pretty much poor when they play well. They were decent against Brescia today, but I think Brescia's struggling a lot more than people think, sitting in 18th. Not that side that was going to buck the relegation trend like we see some sides do well when they get promoted. Um, Me personally, I think we need to go out against Verona and absolutely spank them on the weekend. It's hard to talk about this fixture now with Dortmund so close, but regardless of the Dortmund game, we need to act. And this season, one of the most impressive things for me has been how this team has acted in the face of adversity. You know, usually this team is the type of team where if one result goes bad, we go on a downward spiral for God knows how long, and then we have to dig ourselves out of a depression. But we've had a couple of setbacks this season only to come back even stronger from those setbacks. So... In terms of taking on Elas Verona at the weekend, um, a club that might find themselves in the negative limelight during the week, and that might even play into our hands due to some more ridiculous racist chants uh, this morning projected towards Mario Balotelli. But yeah, that, that's the be-all and end-all for me. Three easy points against Elas Verona. 3-0, 4-0, big goals, big dominant performance. Bruno, just briefly, try and, try and block out the Dortmund game for a second. How would you be approaching Verona this weekend, are there any sort of players, any sort of tactics that you'd implement for what should be an easy game at the San Siro on the weekend? Yeah, if if I was Conte and you know we didn't have Champions League, I'd want to go into this game with the best team possible and make a statement to the rest of the Serie A. You know, put three, four, five goals past Verona, like we know we can. In saying that. Verona has been um, a team which has is coming off two successive wins. They beat Parma after Parma drew with Inter. And yes, they did beat Brescia this morning. But in saying that, I don't think that um, Conti will be taking his foot off the pedal in this game. He is, uh, he is um, cynical when it comes to you know, undervaluing teams and he he's the last manager in the world that you would ever expect to turn around and say, oh, well, we can go into this match a bit um, easier because it's only Verona. But Verona's currently sitting in ninth in the Serie A, right? And we can't uh, dismiss that. They're, they're obviously getting some results together. Now, you did say that Verona is poor on their best of days. In saying that, Every team seems to have their best game when they play Inter Milan. And it's just this season as well. Um, you look at the lower teams, they're playing, when they play, play the top teams, they are putting 
11 men in their own box defending. And we saw it against uh, Lecce, against uh, Juventus, and how easy it was for them to stop Juventus from getting all three points. Um, Verona will do the same. Inter is a benchmark for a lot of teams this season. Um, getting a result from Inter is like getting the result from Juventus. It's just as good in their eyes. They've, they've got a team who is doing so well coming off only one loss so far this season in the Serie A. So I, I, I am not going to discredit Verona because you never know what they can be capable of on their day. Um, but it's at the San Siro. Um, we're returning home after three consecutive games, being the Brescia, Bologna and Dortmund game um, all being away. So we will have a massive turnout for this fixture. Um, and I just feel we should be able to come away with the three points and it should be very comfortable. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if, uh, you know, he chucks on Esposito um, very early in the second half. Um, it, it wouldn't even surprise me if um, he goes with starting Bastoni in the back and potentially giving um, one of our defenders a, a nice, well-earned rest. In saying that, I think... Um, our biggest issue the team's got at the moment is the player who was so great for us last season in Brozovic. I just feel he's he's not keeping up to speed with the rest of the team and he's letting us down um, more often than not. And I just feel he needs to really step up because transfer window's coming up um, and I'm sure Conte will be having a couple of words with him just letting him know, look, mate, you've got to get your performances up because if we find someone else, um, you're going to have to fight for your position. And out of the whole team, Brozovic position is the only position which we really don't have a proper backup for. So he might be getting a bit too comfortable in um, in that space of mind. But Ale, what do you think of um, Verona and, and more particularly Brozovic? I think, first of all, I think Brozovic is really tired and uh, not having sense. that took some some break from him. You know, if we still have sense, it was um, possible for us to rotate a little bit more. Um, and now it's like playing every single game, the game 90 minutes over and over. So and, and that's why we need some other player. And uh, about Verona, of the newly promoted team, I think is the weakest one. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's an easy game. Um, like Anthony was saying, I don't think we're going to win like 5-4-0. I think it's going to be another um, another like Brescia game. Um, if we win like 2-0, 2-1, um, they're, they're going to probably play all in defense, uh, parking the bus. And so we will be able to score. I think we are not as predictable as we were last year. Uh, but I don't think we're going to destroy the team or anything like that. I don't think right now this squad, this Conte team is able to do that. But um, we'll see. I don't know. Um, Anthony, what do you think? 
Well, you know, obviously I'm, I'm just as cautious as the both of you, but something inside me just says that we're going to go to Verona and show why we've stepped it up one or two gears because stepping it up one or two gears and beating these bottom teams is what top teams do. They go to these games, they score a goal and they don't sit back. They look for the second, they get the second, then they might sit back a little bit. Conte likes to sit back at 2-0. Um, he does like to sit back at 1-0 as well, but that all depends on the opposition. We we played Sampdoria at a point in time where they were very, very broken and bruised. And I think Conte identified that and said, you know, we go for the kill here today. And that's what we did. That's what I'd be hoping to see against Verona. But, boys, Verona honestly seems like a country mile away with all the fixtures that we've got. Because, as I said, we've got Dortmund soon. And um, just like Conte and the Ragazzi, one game at a time, eh? Let's move a little bit to the off-field stuff. I'm very conscious of time, especially for Alessandro. Um, just quickly, before Alessandro does go and Bruno and I continue on a little bit more, January is going to come around before we know it, Alessandro. So I know we've spoken about this a couple of times before, but with our lacking depth and with, with the injury to Sensi, that almost did cause a little bit of a ruckus. Who are we going for in January? Who's your main target? Who do you think we need to invest in, mate? Um, I think it's pretty clear we need another um, another player in the midfield and a backup player and, um, and as a forward position. Uh, Sanchez was injured and it's going to be out for a while, so uh, we need another uh, player there. And uh, it's pretty clear to everybody that Borja Valero is not playing and, uh, and Vecina is not playing that much. So we need another player there. Um, the other um, position that is still to see is the Lazaro position. If he's able to play as he played yesterday, maybe we're covered. Uh, but um, I don't think that's a priority. The priority is a, a good midfielder. Um, and I mean, uh, we know that Mimika um, Vizavic is the dream, even though um, Luis Alberto is playing better, in my opinion, than Mimika Vizavic. Um, but, you know, those are players that I, I doubt we are able to get, at least in this transfers uh, window. So, but I, I mean, I fully trust Conte and uh, and the whole team to to figure it out what's the best player available um, with the budget that we have. So everybody knows what we need, and uh, I'm just curious to see. I don't want to throw there some weird names because at the moment I don't have anything. In, uh, you know, even Ibrahimovic uh, remotely, sure. <laughs> that that will be the dream, at least for me. <laughs> Alessandro, thank you so much for coming on again, brother. I know I'm conscious of your time zone, so yep, thanks again. Of course, thank you, guys. Bye bye. Ciao, brother. Ciao, ciao. ciao. Grazie. Ciao. Bruno, Bruninho, when is Sanchez coming back? First of all, when do you think? Do you think we get him back a little bit earlier than the media suggests? We know how Marotta and Conte like to work in silence and plan a few things without us knowing. So before you talk about Sanchez, talk a bit about your main target for January because that's around about the same time Alexis Sanchez is rumoured to be coming back, bro. Go for it. 
Look, I think January, as Ale covered, we need a nice, stable midfielder. Now, you know, last season when we were linked to him, Luka Modric would have been the ideal um, personnel. But as we've seen with Inter this season, we don't need maturity in the squad. Um, we've got uh, the all-time greatest goal scorer for Belgium on our team. We've got... Um, We've got uh, Godin, who is has been a rock for us um, and for Atletico. So I, I, I just feel we don't need um, that type of player. I would like to see a more experienced midfielder in there, but you got to think Marotta and Conte's hands are pretty tied in that regards because a lot of the players we will be going for um, may potentially be cup tied and. You know, we can't even utilise them throughout um, the Champions League campaign. That's if we're still in it. Uh, ideally, Vidal has expressed he is not happy with Barcelona at the moment. And I just feel he'd love to return to the Serie A. And um, I, 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 can't, I couldn't say no to him um, if he was to come to Inter. I, I did make a little joke earlier about Ibrahimovic. But Ibrahimovic is would be a fantastic player. And he knows himself. His age is a big part. And, yeah, he's playing in the MLS, but he is a player like a Tiger who is always hungry for more. And I can see him, if he was to come, I can see him taking that back seat, starting these games and um, or coming on in the second half in these games and basically doing what Ibra does best. But... You never know. Uh, there, w- there were some uh, reports out of Spain this morning saying that he's going to uh, AC Milan. So anything is possible on that front. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he... Just before you go on, just before just before you go on, I have to let you know, bro, if Ibrahimovic does sign for us, we both need to go and get a jersey because my favourite Inter jersey I ever had was the gold trimming with Ibrahimovic on it. And believe it or not, bro, my dad got it super dirty while he was cleaning outside one day and just... just he threw it out without even letting me know. I was gutted, cuz. I was absolutely gutted. Oh, don't worry. I, I, I've had many, <laughs> many. Um, my Melito jersey had the same thing happen to it. Painting a house and... Uh, yeah. So Shocking. Don't, don't worry. I, I, I'm on that same front. But back to the transfer. Wouldn't surprise me if we go in for another defender. Um, I can see Conte moving away from the three at the back formation um, moving forward and alternating because he's that type of manager that likes to be unpredictable and how unpredictable would it be for Conte to start four at the back and throw everyone off um it would not surprise me Alexis Sanchez I can see him making his return in the Coppa Italia fixture in late January um because generally it's against a steady B or steady cheat team and I can see him uh, coming back there and then and probably being one of the best players on the pitch, he was very promising when he did play um, his one game for us. So anything is possible on that front. Anthony, I know you're a Manchester United fan. Um, My condolences to you on that front. But seeing Romelu come to Inter and perform in the way he is, seeing Sanchez, even although he got a red card in his first game, but you can't really discredit 
what he's done so far in his couple of appearances for Inter. Um, is there anyone from the Red Devils you you wouldn't mind taking and bringing across to Inter? Right now, bro, probably not, to be honest, looking at the current mental state of the club. And just going on that, that's probably the biggest plus for Alexis Sanchez is not necessarily his performance on the pitch, but his attitude in training leading up to his performances to us was getting a lot better. I don't know if many of our listeners know, I know Bruno knows, but Sanchez actually rocked up back at Apiano to train recently. It's a lot earlier than he was expected to be back at the training ground. Now, that's not to say he's going to come back quicker from injury, but he's there, Bruno. He's training. He looks like he wants to be there, and he looks like he's ready to commit to his footballing career again. I'm just a little bit worried that we've got him at the worst possible time at the back end of this injury. I don't know whether he can mentally overcome this, but it's really good to see him pushing hard and trying hard. And, you know, a manager like Conte will do that to you. I think it's a big reflection on Alexis Sanchez when he decided to jump ship from Manchester United and take a pay cut as well. You know, he's been dubbed a mercenary in the past, a thief from art by Arsenal fans, by Manchester United fans as well. And, you know, e- England is an ugly place to play football, not just because of the weather. Um, honestly, the, the fans are always on your back, not to say that they're not on, the, on your back anywhere else. But you're in much more of a media spotlight as well. So I think that's another big reason why two of those players like Romelu Lukaku and Alexis Sanchez really didn't mind swapping uh, England for Italy. And I think you'll find that's the case in a lot of players who want to leave England. Going back to your original question, would I take anyone from the current Manchester United team? Anthony Martial is a very talented player, has the mental capacity of a 19-year-old. He's not even much older than 19, but he doesn't show anything for me. In terms of the blue half of Manchester, though, which I know you're a fan of. Yeah, you want to do me dirty? I'll do you dirty as well. I think that David Silva on a Bossman free transfer at the end of this season would be a Marotta masterstroke. For those of you who don't know, David Silva, Spanish all-round fantastic midfielder deployed on the left and even on the right sometimes. He's such a good player. He's a world-class player named in the Premier League team of the season last season again, even though he's starting to come of age. Bruno, what would you say to a David Silva free transfer at the end of the season, man? A David Silva free transfer would be a dream, especially in the Conte layout. Um, he, he, he's, a, he's the Spanish Pirlo in my eyes, and we saw that in the two uh, European Championships. They won um, Euro 2008 and Euro 2012, as well as the World Cup in 2010. He's just a controlling player. He's got eyes that I don't think anyone else has in the game at the moment. It was like Birlo where he knew where each of his players were on the pitch at that same time. And um, he just does that so well. And and he's flourished at Manchester City in the last couple of years. Um, I would love to see him there. And he has expressed he doesn't want to renew at Manchester City. Um, In saying that, it wouldn't surprise me if he goes back to Spain. Um, but then again, Marotta, Conti, then the masters of the free transfer. And I just think um, he would be the most ideal, ideal approach at the end of this uh, coming year. 
Dude, I mean, can you imagine Sensi, Barella and Brozovic get some tired legs and then you see David Silva warming up to come on? I mean, Jesus Christ, he'll, he'll cut through a brick coming off the bench. He might even have to start as well. Would be fantastic. Uh, we're very conscious of time at the moment. We're stretching on the hour mark. I apologize. I didn't even put the um, announcement out for any sort of questions or comments from our listeners. It's been that kind of week or fortnight. But something else did happen that didn't involve Inter and we haven't spoken about on a podcast. Our Italian national team, Bruno and my Italian national team, you know, if, if you're not Italian or you don't support the Azzurri, we apologize. But the Italian national team has qualified for Euro 2020. They're one of the first teams to qualify. They have qualified with a flawless record as well. And for me, I'm actually really happy. Now, before some of the listeners say, oh, you know, it's very, very bottom of the barrel kind of teams like uh, Finland, like Liechtenstein, but, you know, like Greece as well, who are absolutely horrendous. Um, I still think you can only beat what's in front of you. And we have seen Italy in the past fail to get maximum points. And we've seen them struggle against horrible opposition in terms of qualifying. But here we are, Bruno, pretty much automatically qualified. Uh, automatically qualified for the Euro. How impressed have you been with Mancini getting this group of boys together and, you know, developing a much better winning mentality? What I'm most impressed about with this qualification was not the flawless record per se, um, because like you said, it's the teams that are put in front of you, but it is Mancini as a manager. Um, he has done wonders with this team, but if you look at how many games was it? It was our, our, our six games in qualification. There was not one game where the same squad was used more than once. He has rotated his players amazingly. Um, up front, he's had uh, Immobile and Belotti on rotation. The midfield, the same. And Italy, as a national team, has not had the squad depth and the um, and the talent that they have as they do now. And, you know, Candreva got a call-up. Uh, D'Ambrosio is playing for the team. Barella, Sensi. I've never seen so many um, Inter players in an Italian team, let alone young players. Yeah. And that's the beauty of it all. And I just can't... Um, you you, you got to... The questions beg to be asked. I, I don't know if we'll win the next Euros. Um, you know, it's next year, next July. But I, I, I would put us pretty high up in regards to um, the next World Cup just because of the raw talent that's on that pitch. You've got to think the Ronaldo, will he be around in three years' time? Messi, um, a lot of the big names we've got now um, in the last World Cup. Uh, will they be around in three years' time to contest the next World Cup? I don't know. But the, the Italy team at the moment, um, I do know that there were some uh, disciplinary issues with Moise Keane and uh, Nicolo Zaniolo. Um, and, you know, it's good to see Mancini stamp that out. But I'm very, I'm very optimistic for the future of Italian football. Um, as a national team. What do you think? Yeah. Oh, no, I'm very, very confident as well. I was very happy to see us put away those teams uh, after the disgrace of 2018. It's, it was literally the only option in terms of coming back. 
Um, just piggybacking off that, I think Sandro Tonali is an absolute phenomenon for his age. He is pretty much the heart and soul of that Brescia team. And I think with Barella and Sensi already as our two Italian midfielders and them both forming a formidable great partnership in the Italian national team with Tonali about to step up right by their side, I think Conte and Marotta need to use that bargaining chip in order to land Sandro Tonali, the hottest prospect in Italian football. I don't know who he's going to choose. It could be us. It could be Juventus. It could have been AC Milan or Napoli prior to this season, but I, I really don't see him committing his future to a club in limbo like Napoli or AC Milan. So let's all hope that we are all in for Sandro Tonali. That's all we're going to have time for today. Once again, apologies for not getting this out for a while, but we're well over the hour mark now to make up for it. Uh, Bruno, as always, an absolute pleasure, man. And I'll check in with you in just over a day and we'll bring the fans our Dortmund review. Thanks again, brother. No worries. Forza Inter, Forza Inter worldwide. And thank you for having me, Anthony. Anytime, brother. Forza Inter, Forza Inter worldwide. Ciao, ragazzi.